Well, good morning. Isaiah 48, 22, just one verse this morning. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. As we start to understand this verse, we should note that it's not spoken primarily to the wicked. These prophecies were given by the Lord through Isaiah to the Lord's people who would be eventually in Babylon in captivity. And though the wicked could stand to hear this, it's not primarily given to them. It's given to those people who God is calling and had a call upon their lives, uh, wanting to follow him. So as we start to understand it, um, let's just ask, who are the wicked? You know, the, the world's got a definition of wicked. The world thinks of somebody who's wicked. We can think of really notorious people, criminals, terrorists, things like that, uh, notorious historical leaders. Somebody's got to do something really bad to be wicked in the terms of the world. But God's definition is a bit different. If we just go back to verse 18 in context, it says, Oh, that you had heeded my commandments. The wicked apparently are those who don't heed God's commandments. No heed for God's commandments. The word heed there just means to listen or pay attention to. So to not Heed is to not listen, to not pay attention to, to just dismiss it, to ignore it, to not really care about God's word. That's wicked. Uh, Down in verse 20, it's a command there to go forth from Babylon. That would be, again, the command to the people who would be about um, many, many years in front of actually the giving of this prophecy, Uh, maybe a hundred years or so before. There would be a a set of believers in captivity or God's people in captivity, and they they would at that time know it's time to go, and there's the command to go forth from Babylon. And um, the wicked are those who don't follow. It's given right there. There's no peace for the wicked. The command to leave Babylon. You know, the truth is that most of the people who would be in the situation of having that command and living in Babylon at that time, the truth is most of the Israelites who were in Babylon at that time were probably not very godly people. They had been forced, obviously, to go to Babylon under captivity when Nebuchadnezzar came down and took the city and carted off in a a series of stages the population and then destroyed the city. And they had been living in captivity at at that point, the end of the captivity, for 70 years. But they had made, you know, a home there under the direction of the Holy Spirit through Jeremiah, but they had grown accustomed to Babylon, and they didn't really want to move out. Many of them didn't want to move from Babylon. But there was a command from the Lord to leave Babylon. You know, you you got to appreciate at that time what they were called to do at the end of their captivity. Remember, they're living in Babylon. It's a major metropolitan area. Super well-developed, you know, they've got streets and they've got infrastructure, they've got commerce, they've got parks, they've got 7-Eleven or you can get your Babylonian Slurpee there, whatever. You know, they were, they were called to leave that and go to a place that was essentially a ruin. You know, no city parks, no soccer teams, nothing. They were supposed to go back and rebuild that place. It was very, very difficult. And yet it was God's call to do that. They're brought to remembrance of God bringing the Israelites in the first time. Remember, he says, remember, I brought you in. Remember how much I provided? I mean, I brought water out of the rock. Look at there. Verse 21, they did not thirst when he led them through the wilderness. He caused water to flow from the rock for them. 
So God calls them, when you've got to go back, remember how I provided the first time when I brought you in. There's not going to be any difference here. I'll provide for you completely. There's no shortage of resources or power to provide for you. But uh, they're assured of his protection and his provision. Um, but you've got to keep in perspective what God was planning to do with them. Remember, the Lord's going to bring the salvation of the world through the Messiah through them. There's a lot riding on their obedience to that command. Nothing less than the salvation of the whole world. There's a great deal in play beyond their comfort and convenience. So wickedness, by definition, is a bit different from what the world says. Uh, No heed for God's commands, not doing what God has said to do. It's, It's pretty easy to see that in our time, then wickedness is on the increase, isn't it? I think about just comparing what we would call wicked today to what we would call wicked when I was growing up. You know, the things that were labeled shameful and evil back then, you know, today is kind of like we barely even bat an eye at that stuff. We, we're dealing with stuff unimaginable, you know, in the last generation. I mean, we got terrorism, ISIS. We've got foreign drug cartels cooperating and working through domestic gangs. Unimaginable levels of violence from person to person. It's unimaginable in an earlier generation. Uh, and on top of that, too, we get a whole new generation, a whole new genre of digital crimes. We never even heard of those growing up. You know, if we could just even just go back to what we used to have, it would be an improvement. So there's a great deal of wickedness, right, against man's laws, obviously on the increase. But um, there's also wickedness against God's laws. Wickedness against God's laws is on the increase, too. I mean, we're, we're barraged daily with a world that's moving away from God's word, we're increasingly seen as a hindrance. God's word is increasingly seen as a hindrance to the development, the freedom of society. You know, we're, we're impinging on people's civil rights now by telling them that they need to repent from sin and that their lifestyle is sinful. It's not too long from now. I don't think that's, that's going to be a hate crime. You know, and God's word is intended to produce righteous people. Right? People living a righteous life. And if people did that, it would be a world in which righteousness is rewarded. As we then, as the world moves away from God's law into greater wickedness, you're going to produce greater degrees of uh, punishment for the righteous and difficulty for the righteous. It's going to be a world where godlessness is rewarded and the righteous are punished to greater degrees. That's not hard to see. It's not hard to see. Wickedness is on the increase. Verse 22 There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. We need that verse today. You know, though it's not specifically written to the wicked, they need to hear it. You know, and if they're going to, if the world by the devil's power is going to create and continuously move to a place where wickedness is rewarded and increased, well, they got to communicate that to us. They got to communicate it through their media channels. That that's the way to go, right? And so through media, you see the romanticization of wicked lives. Society's heroes and role models are those whose lifestyles are increasingly more wicked than the last time we saw somebody on stage. And their portrait is happy, well-adjusted, no consequences. Look what they have. That's the way to go. It's important that we pay attention to this verse. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And here's why. We need to be reminded of those spiritual truths because as we are in that society that's romanticizing that and promoting it, it's going forward, it can be very easy to become disheartened. 
very disheartening. Uh, you know, the old saying, crime doesn't pay. Well, it looks like it does now. And uh, you can start to fall under the pressure of that thought and the, the implication that it doesn't pay to live a life righteously. You get nothing for it. Why are you working that hard? There's nothing there. And it can be a temptation to cave, temptation to compromise. It could be a lot like what King David experienced, right, in Psalm 73. He was struggling with the very same thing. When we go to Psalm 73, he says that he was dealing with the very same thought. He couldn't understand why those who were unrighteous, the wicked, had so much and were so comfortable and so eased in their life. They had, they, their eyes were bugging out they had so much. And uh, he started to struggle with it. It says he struggled with it until, until he gained a perspective, an eternal perspective by going to church, essentially. He went to church. He realized they live far from God, the wicked do. And though they're comfortable now, their end here isn't the end. It is not the end. There's an eternal destiny to be faced. And as, as he gained that perspective, it rose out of that fog out of that disheartening confusion, he realized, boy, I'm glad I never said anything to anybody. I'm glad I never said anything because I wouldn't might have stumbled somebody else. You know, the scripture says, the way of the transgressors is hard. You need to believe it. Believe it. The way of the transgressor is hard. A life lived indifferent to God is a life at war with God. Not only you lose now, you lose eternally. God is saying here in verse 22, for all their fame, all their power, all their prosperity, everything that the carefully crafted images show us, they never have peace. They never have peace. And the wicked, here's the thing, the wicked will never admit it. They won't admit it that they don't have any peace. And here's why, here's why they don't have peace. Because wickedness and peace are mutually exclusive. The wicked have no peace with God. The wicked have no peace with God. How valuable is it to know that you're right with God? I mean, you go into, we all go into hard circumstances. That's just the, the path of this life. We're all going to go through difficult circumstances. And you know, things that once were stable are suddenly not in a, in a very you know, nonlinear way. How valuable is it to go through those situations and know that you're right with God? I mean, this is how you get right with God, Right. You get right with God by believing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin and paid the penalty. That he took your sin, took my sin upon his own body on the tree. We took the elements this morning that remind us of that. Through his cross and through his resurrection, through trusting that work, we get right with God. Scripture says, to those who do not work but believe on him who justifies the ungodly, His faith is accounted for righteousness, being right with God. The wicked have no peace with God. The wicked have no peace with God. The wicked don't have any peace, don't have the peace of God. Again, they go through difficult circumstances. We're all going to go through difficult circumstances. You know what it is, Christian, to have that peace that passes understanding. That's not part of, of something we've manufactured, right? It doesn't come through your knowledge or your experience it's just a peace that's there. Somebody gave it to you. Yeah, God did. The peace that passes understanding. You should be a nervous wreck. <laughs> you should be undone, but you're not. Because the Lord has given you peace. 
from him. The wicked never have that. Wicked never have that. What is peace? What is that peace anyways? You know, it's, it's, it's a trick to kind of define that peace, isn't it, without actually using the word peace. So that's the rule. Don't define peace using the word peace. <laughs> it's got to do with being settled and knowing things are okay. And it's got that, and, and a tied there in somewhere in that idea is the sense that no matter what happens here, no matter how far-reaching the unknown is and, and what's crashing into my life, there's still adequate resources to take care of it. Somebody's got something bigger than what I'm facing, and they've got it in hand. That's what peace has got to do with. They've got a settled quietness. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. His peace, he gives it to you, gives it to us. It's not ours, it's his. He gives it to us. Wicked don't have any peace with God. They don't have the peace of God. The wicked don't have peace with fellow men either. They have no peace in their relationships. And here's why. It's because wickedness in our lives is always acted towards other people. And so there's no peace in relationships, personal relationships. The wicked don't have the peace of a clear conscience either. Hebrews 10 says, Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Again, how valuable is it to have your conscience washed clean? You remember? You remember what it was? I don't know how long ago you were saved, but um, you remember how, how hard it was to try to get relief from your conscience? That voice inside us that, that says that what we're doing is wrong. The wicked have a seared conscience. A seared conscience is not peace. It's not the same. It's insensitivity of conscience. You know, seared, you like your steak seared. But um, a seared conscience is where you've heard from your conscience saying, that's wrong, don't do that, and you still do it. And so you do that a couple more times, and now you don't listen to that voice anymore. It's not there. And so it's okay to do that. That conscience has been seared. And then the next step, that conscience is there to say something. It's a little bit louder. Don't do that. And you cross that line. You keep crossing, and that gets seared again. And eventually, you're doing things... And that conscience has to get louder and louder. And eventually, the conscience is seared in the past, but now there's difficulty to, to not hear from that conscience. And so you got to stay drunk all the time. you got to stay high all the time. That's not peace. There's no peace there. Wicked live a life without peace. You know, the same verses in Isaiah chapter 57, and it says that, The wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. The wicked live a life in constant fear of exposure to the law. Do you remember? Many of you have a testimony of that, being afraid of being caught. They also live a life in fear of exposure to people whom they've been wicked to who are more wicked than themselves. They have no peace. The wicked have no peace of heart, no confidence in the future. They can't say... Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. They can't say that. The wicked, probably most importantly, have no peace facing death. Hebrews 10 says, But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Wicked have no peace facing death. You know, Isaiah 48, 22 is intended to protect us, believers, 
teaches us to place great value on this peace we have with God. This peace we have with God, this peace we have that comes from God, this peace with our fellow men, this peace of a clear conscience, the peace of facing death. Is wickedness worth that much? Is that worth that much in exchange? Jesus said, these things I've spoken to you that in me you might have peace. So Christian, how are you measuring your wealth? And you got a mental picture in your mind about what is valuable in life. Are the premier entries on that list peace, the joy you have from the Lord, friendship with God, the abiding of the Holy Spirit? You know, the world is working hard to sell you a different value system. If you're going to immerse yourself in their stream of ideas, it's going to affect your thinking. Peace with God, peace of God, it's priceless. Do you remember when you didn't have that? You want to go back to it? So let me say this. Are you a wicked person? We don't know who this message is going to. Do you want that peace? You know, the the peace that we're talking about here, Colossians says, is so powerful in the life of a believer. It's such a real dynamic that we're called to let the peace of God rule in our hearts, in the life of a believer. That word rule is the word umpire. The peace is so powerful and so real, it's like an umpire calling the shots. Okay, so wicked person, do you want that kind of peace? You want that? You looking for that? Jesus said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The way we get out of being wicked is by believing. You can't work your way out of it. You can't work your way out of being wicked, but you can believe your way out of it. You can believe that Jesus will own your wickedness and pay for it on the cross And as he pays for it on the cross, he gives you the righteousness that you need. And in that package of righteousness and that salvation he's given you, it's going to be the peace with God. It's going to be peace of God. And he'll teach you about what it is to be at peace with other men. And he'll teach you the rest. You know, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The wealth of that kingdom the kingdom of heaven, the true riches, peace with God. Again, if you want the peace, the wealth of that kingdom, you got to agree with what he's saying about you. you got to agree with the condemnation he's saying about your life, that it is worthy of being condemned. But if you can admit that to him, then you'll be blessed because then you will be given the kingdom of heaven. You'll be that poor in spirit who is blessed. So do you want that? You want that wicked person? You can have it. It's a free gift. If that's you, after the service, you find somebody to pray with. Find somebody to pray with who will love to pray with you. There will be people up front. You can pray with them. We'll be sure that you know that you are making that exchange. What about this, though? Are you backslidden? Do you remember what it was to have that peace of God? But now you don't know where it is. You don't know where it is anymore. Through slow compromises, one by one, you've lost that sense of God being in your life. You remember back when you used to pray, you used to be in fellowship, you used to know that God was right there. You don't know that anymore. That peace that used to be there is gone. You want it back? You can have it back. 
that prodigal son, right? He lost everything. He traded his father's wealth for trash. But he came to his senses when the world became upside down for him. So the backslidden, are you a backslider? Who was it that was so influential? Who sold you that idea that convinced you that living for God was a waste of time? Someone did. You got it from somewhere. You need to sever that. You need to cut that. You need to stop. You need to go in the other direction. You need to come back to the Lord. And you can have that peace of God. Cheers. The Lord wants you to have it. He said, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. If you want that, you can have it. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. This is, this is very important for us today. Remember, it was believers there who needed to be warned. They were surrounded with a very ungodly society. They were called to do something that was enormous. It was very difficult to do. and It was very tempting for them to just say, it's not worth it. The Lord says, there's far more risk here than you understand. And one of the primary things you're going to lose out by disobeying me, by not doing what I'm calling you to do, is your peace. So don't lose that. Don't lose that, Christian. Don't lose that, friend. Obey the Lord. Go forward in what he's calling you to do. It's going to be hard. It might be very hard. You might have to go and others are staying behind. Well, that's okay. Because the Lord's going with you. And you got something very, very valuable leading you. Calling the shots. His peace. You're leaving behind things. That's okay. Think of the adventure that lays in front of you. Seeing God's hand. Seeing his provision. Seeing what he's going to do through you. How far is your obedience going to affect other people? You don't know. You'll never know until you obey him. Don't lose out on that. Don't lose out on that. You stay behind, you lose peace. You go forward. Wow. Look what the Lord's going to do through you. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. If you're a person who wants to get out of that wickedness, you pray with us after the service. If you're backslidden and you want to come back, you come forward and we'll pray. We'll pray and we'll make sure that you get right back with God. Amen? Let's stand and we'll pray this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the warnings of your scriptures. We thank you that uh, you have set before us truth and light clearly in your word and that you promise us such amazing things. Help us, Lord, to live in light of them and glorify you in this dark world. We love you and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.